2: Stay on target Maximum Stay on target Maximum Reed Rothbard <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast The podcast where we're talking about movies from a Rothbardian and anarcho-capitalist perspective And tonight, this is our Mother's Day episode and we're going to go into the Spider-Verse Which, I guess in one of the Spider-Universes it might be related to Mother's Day in some way, some fashion, I don't know but we're going to do it anyway. This is episode 128 of the show. Show notes and more at actualanarchy.com 128, where you have a special show with you tonight. We're going to have a couple of really cool guests. We'll introduce them in just a moment on the last night's portion of the show. But before we do that, we'll say hello to Robert. How are you doing? You're sweating like a little pig there, like a spider pig, right? Or- like
1: a little spider hammy? Yeah, spider ham. <laughs> yeah, it's a real embarrassment of riches for uh, comic book fans lately. Uh, I'm old enough to remember a time when we had these super low-budget crap-fests like Captain America and the very first Fantastic Four movie. And now we get these amazing films like Spider-Verse and all the Marvel movies. It's a, it's a pretty crazy time to be alive. Definitely. No, it's not your cue <laughs> <Q> at all. <laughs> Don't
0: worry, I'll leave this in. This is, this is good stuff.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> So uh, this so. is
0: the Anthony Anarchy Podcast. We're going to get into the Last Nighters portion of the show, which can be found in the Launchpad media. So I'll play that intro real quickly. It's 15 seconds long, and then we'll introduce Jack V. Lloyd of the Voluntarius Comic and the Philosopher. Stand by. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson, the Last Nighters. The Last Nighters are part of the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. This is episode 71. It's going to be into the Spider-Verse for Mother's Day, and we have two very special guests, some of the hardest working people in the ANCAP libertarian movement. It's Jack V. Lloyd of the Comic and the Philosopher. How are you guys
3: doing? Awesome. awesome. <laughs> Especially since... We just had lots of good sushi. <laughs>
2: yeah, miso soup. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> it very like, healthy. You know? Sounds like a
0: quality meal. And uh, <laughs> this is our show where we talk about movies, and so we're going to talk about the Spider-Man movie. And it just so happens it's related to comic books, and that's one reason why Jack B. Lloyd, why we like having you on for this type of stuff, because you do a comic. And I we do a centerfold for you for he the last it. couple <laughs> of years. And I think we might have another one in the in the works. Yeah. And I, do. You've, got do. A, um, you've got a uh, an Indiegogo campaign. Why don't you tell our audience about that before we start getting into
3: the movie? Sure. And yes, uh, as you said, uh, you've been consistently putting in beautiful two-page spreads that are, that are just those. amazing. You know, just you're turning the pages of the comic and then suddenly, boom, actual anarchy It's there. And it's wonderful. So uh, this new comic campaign is for Origins 3. It's just continuing the voluntarist. A universe story it's, it's going through the canon story chronologically so this one is uh, just you know continuing from we left off, where we left off last and two and then of course one um, and uh, you know we're about I'd say two ish weeks away from close so things have been pretty successful so far it's really good uh, I think over 57% funded so far so I'm very excited and we're gonna be doing some uh, live streams for sure leading up to that and some promos and things like that uh, just to generate some excitement and close strong but'm I'm, I'm especially excited because this issue we have a new art team that's upping the quality and so yeah way uh, yeah, even even better least, than before. Yeah, yeah definitely notice better mm-hmm. if you look at the cover, so I'm excited about that.
0: Uh, that sounds great. Yeah, we're excited to be a part of that. you, you got you guys both do excellent work. and uh, the philosopher, tell us about what is uh, if someone doesn't know what you do, what's your 30 second <clears throat> elevator pitch for? Them?
2: <clears throat> Clear his throat. Okay. <laughs> um, memes, videos. Music videos, <laughs> educational content, pictures, modeling, podcast. We started a podcast. Yeah, that's under five minutes. Uh, basically, I talk about <laughs> philosophy, self knowledge, and voluntarism, and I have a lot of so- uh, commentary on things that are just happening in the world. Um, and yeah, just trying to find more print.
0: All right. Well, that's a very noble effort. <laughs> we will put links to everything you've got uh, on our show notes page, which would be lastnighters.com slash seventy one. And why don't you just each throw one link out there that is easy to remember and people can go to just based on listening? Exactly. So,
3: Voluntarius is at volcomic.com. That's V O L C O M I C.com. And that's where you can find all you need to know about the universe. There's links to the latest campaign, there's links to the past comics. So, again, volcomic.com, easy to find. Uh, You know, no problem at all. Just type that on in, you'll be there.
2: For me, it's thephilosopher.com. It's spelled like philosopher, except the first. I is actually an O, like fa noodles, so the, pho, philosopher.com. <laughs> All
0: right. I think people will be able to figure that one out. And Robert, oh. my co-host. Yeah, buddy. How can, how can people find you these
1: days? <laughs> oh, you can go to trepster.com, and it's just a, a hot link to uh, my T-shirt designs. Nice. And eventually it'll be other stuff, like art stuff that I'm drawing, comic stuff. But for now, Ooh. it's what it is. I want to hear about more
2: about that. What are you doing with
1: comic stuff? Yeah, cool. And this yeah. T-shirt thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I could, I could, I could tease you with some art that I'm working on. Actually, as we speak. I love being teased. Yes. Cool.
2: Okay. <laughs> stuff.
1: Ooh. I can yeah, screen, share. screen share. Screen share some hotness.
0: Robert is a creative. <laughs> He's the creative of our uh,
1: tag team over here. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Are you the the linear logical?
1: He's the one that actually gets things <laughs> done, and then I'm the other one. I'm the other guy. Yeah.
2: You know, <laughs> stuff, Trying the idea that's his, man. Create,
1: <laughs> uh, we, we both got some
0: ideas, I think. Yeah, we we yeah. butterfly around a little bit, unfortunately. that That's pretty commie of us, but we're, we're gonna <laughs> get better. Cool, proud of you. all right. So, Robert's gonna pull up uh, whatever he's working on, and while he does that, I will get into the Google description, which is how we start talking about the movies on this show, The Last Nighters. And so, Into the Spider Verse came out. 2018 Fantasy Sci-Fi, 1 hour 56 minutes, 8.5 on the IMDb, 97% Rotten Tomatoes, 87% Metacritic, and 97% of the Google users like it. The description is, Teen Miles Morales becomes Spider-Man of his reality, crossing his path with five counterparts from another dimension, from another dimensions, to stop a threat for all realities. The Google description has some grammatical errors, and it came out on December 14, <laughs> 2018, and directed by Peter Ramsey, Bob... Parachetti and rodney rockman box office of 375.3 million dollars on a budget of 90 million dollars and won the academy award for best animated feature film robert your thoughts on the
1: description no i didn't really say what it was about so much i mean miles yeah he becomes spider-man it is an origin story movie so if that turns you off i'm sorry it does i does lose a little bit for me because it's an origin story but to be fair it kind of glosses over a lot of the origin and just kind of gets right into it we're not like the whole movie's all about him finally at the end becomes bad and I mean, he does but there's a whole lot of spider-man action before that um yeah and
2: he's a net uh, new character isn't
1: he yeah he's new he's he's
2: so it's a new origins never before written about
1: right i mean he is a brent he came out in 2011 so he's i'm sure this is probably the first time a lot of people have heard of this guy but he's a popular kid in the comic world and i it did an amazing job. I don't know. This is like a one giant big love letter to comic fans They're actually, you know, <laughs> comic book fans, not just like fans of the movies, but fans of the comic books. Yeah. See, mean, like, from all they the
0: details... bunch, yeah. They had a bunch of like different Easter eggs related to each of the different types of Spider-Man. And I felt as a bit of a layperson, I mean, I, I watched Spider-Man when I was a kid, uh, the, uh, the cartoon series, and they actually had a snippet of that from the very beginning of that show, like in the four, three format. But the, um, I felt like it really was more speaking to the physical book readers, the physical comic book readers, and giving them all these
1: nods all all over the place. Was it distracting for you, not oh. being a comic book guy?
0: No, I knew it was talking to some. You know, it was talking to something, and so now it makes me curious to go back and look at that stuff. So in a way, it might be you know snaring in some people who are Spider-Man familiar, just not with all the nuance.
1: Okay, because I could see it be there in inviting or obnoxious in how much it nods to the comic books endlessly. Like all the little sound effects on screen, you know, like pow or zip or pop or whatever mm-hmm. and bonk. And I loved it, but I don't know. I thought what that's the art was
2: like. Yeah. I thought the art was really pretty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I agree. And <laughs> I, I think that,
0: that kind of stuff, <laughs> zip pow, bam stuff. I mean, that's like 60s style Adam West Batman. You know, I, I don't think that's necessarily, um, some kind of a, a super niche thing to just Spider Man fans. And I, th- I felt like I was watching almost like a living comic book. And I know, uh, Jack, you watched the or you watched a, a director's commentary of what they were trying to accomplish. And from what I understand, they were actually going for that. They were trying to make this look like it was literally the page in motion. And they had a tremendous effort with the amount of animation and animators that they had working on this project. From what I read, it was the largest. Uh, staffing of animation people at Sony Animation Studios in ever for any any feature they've ever worked on.
3: Wow, yeah, I agree that uh, the artwork was <laughs> extremely diverse and uh, yeah. and engaging in terms mm-hmm. of like how they did it. It definitely, at least for the the visuals, brought something new to the screen that. Um, at least, you know, in the way that they composited everything, like, felt like it hadn't been done before. I mean, I'm not sure, I can't even relate it to any particular movie in terms of all the different ways they try to make it seem like it was a movie that was, you know, the comic book page, as you said, coming to life. So that was definitely unique in in how they presented that. And I definitely enjoyed that aspect of it, you know, watching the movie for the the art sense and and how they did those visuals and then integrated the different designs. As you said, they had some nods to past um, Spider-Man universe characters, you know, things like that they brought in. Um. So it was interesting how they, you know, animated those art you know, figures differently and stuff. So.
0: Yeah, I almost had like a um, 300 or Sin City almost vibe to it just in my watching of it, even though that kind of blended computer animation and live action, where mm-hmm. this was all computer animation. Right. Like, right. And those
1: two movies were both directly taken from comic books. Like, those are both adapted from Frank Miller's comic books, almost mm-hmm. in a frame-by-frame, page-to-page panel-to-panel format. Oh. So... Not that although as far as I know this into the spider verse wasn't adapted from any one comic book Does anybody know if that's true? I thought this was like an original story
3: I'm not sure offhand because yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't I really read the sure original that. comic for it um, mm-hmm. But
2: neither for me. I just this is the first time I was introduced to this character. So I saw a print comic about it So I'm not sure if it exists.
0: Yeah, I know they had some nods to like some of the more famous um, spider-man moments like in film where he's mm-hmm. like got the, you know, the two subway cars and he's pulling, holding them together yeah. with the wet. Right. and right. A couple of other like little brief, there's, there's like a ton of little brief nods to things, but they, they happen so quickly that I don't think they like slow it down or drag you down or anything like that. Like you can just see them and they're, they're pretty. But if you, if you know, then it's like, ah, okay. thank <laughs> you're putting that in. Like there's a, a scene where um, they go to uh, Aaron's apartment and on the little screen behind him, there's, Ah, uh, Donald Glover wearing a Spider-Man pajamas outfit. <laughs> like a little tiny little thing they threw in there, yeah, for the fans, you know. Right. I mean, it didn't have to be there. Could have been just nothing, but
3: yeah, definitely lots of little Easter eggs.
1: Yeah, the uh, the love that was put in this film seems like it was made by people who love comic books. That just comes through. You wouldn't have. You couldn't say this was made like was this is some Hollywood hacks that didn't know what they were doing. This is absolutely people who are neck deep in comic book love. Now is that this is this Hollywood an example? What <laughs>
2: and they hired the right people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, was, <laughs> could be possible.
0: <laughs> I was thinking, you know, Robert, you you and I talked about uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine like a year or so ago, and I think we had similar comments. Like that that was a love letter for the fans of that genre or that particular title or brand or universe or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. That that didn't. That one didn't have a big enough fan base to really make that uh, as successful of a movie as I think the expectations were Whereas the Marvel universe and spider-man much wider appeal much larger fan base And so I think that the effect is much greater in this movie.
1: Yeah, they're obviously writing The success I mean probably the only thing that stopped it from making more money was the fact that it's animated and Animated movies still have a bit of a stigma being kids movies. Although I think this has wide appeal I don't know if you're going to super enjoy it when you're 80 something years old. It's maybe a little bit kinetic, a little bit too fast moving. Although I loved the kinetic action in this film, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think kids would absolutely love this movie. Yeah, and it, and it won an Academy Award, didn't it, for best animated feature? I mean, not that I give a shit about the Academy Awards, but <laughs> uh, it's nice that it's getting props. Yeah, Usually, I, that's something that goes to Pixar. So
2: I think it was a rated PG.
1: There was a fair amount of the old violence. <laughs>
2: Um, But it definitely felt PG, or the very most PG. So you know that with the art, with the art, I think, and some of the humor, it was, you know, it wasn't full on adult crass humor. It was, uh, it was like more. uh,
0: (laughs) I mean, there were a few deaths and some, plenty of violence, you know, Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: some gunshots and stuff, but not like outrageous gore and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I think it was definitely directed, um, especially the age of the characters as well. It was directed towards a younger audience.
1: Yeah, that PG, PG-13 crowd.
2: Mm-hmm. The yeah, teen beat,
0: Teen Vogue, <laughs> whatever group. Um, <laughs> when, when my wife and I watched it, we were like, well, th- could this potentially be a movie we watch with the kids? And they're, you know, three and five. They're almost four and six. And after watching, like, the first 20 minutes, we're like, no. <laughs> when no. Kingpin, like, stomps out Spider-Man and finally kills him. That yeah. was pretty, uh Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was pretty rough. Graphic. That was a uh, very interesting they had. They had uh uh the perfect Spider-Man, right? The the one who was killed, he was supposedly very perfect in that kid's universe the main Spider-Man. Yeah,
0: yeah he was the blonde one, he was yeah, yeah grim and had like...
2: fit, had a wa- was with um
0: Mary Jane. Mary Jane.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh you know the, things were good. Okay. And then you had the guy who in the other universe, total slob and made all these things like, so interesting
0: that sort of uh yeah i enjoyed him um i i kind of relate to him now i used to work out a fair amount and i haven't in a while so now i feel like i got the little uh spare tire around the tummy dead
1: bod city over there yeah Yeah, me too oh yeah i love that he went around the movie wearing sweatpants for the most of it that was great <laughs> <laughs> right
2: i think it, it was a comment too by one of the characters
1: like are you wearing yeah, yeah. it's not a blanket but You know, he's got things going on. Come on now.
2: A blanket would have been more would have made more sense. You know, it'd be warm. It's cold when he got there.
1: So, Daniel, what did you think about the the plot of this movie? It's um, it's an origin story, like I said, and it's a bit wacky with all the interdimensional shenanigans and whatnot. But at the heart of it is a villain who is trying to replace lost loved ones. So I think you can probably identify with him in that sense, but he's so single minded that he doesn't care how many people get hurt in his path of doing that. Um, did you appreciate the story? Did you like the uh interdimensional wackiness? I mean when the when a talking cartoon pig comes out, are you like, oh this is just too crazy? Or were you like, ah, oh, this fits? Well I didn't really know what to
0: expect. I mean the title sort of gives it away, but in in a somewhat ambiguous way. And so without having read much about it before watching it i I wasn't expecting it to cross the stream so to speak you know and have all these like different spider-man and the pig spider-man and all that stuff Uh, and and going into it and not knowing that when kingpin kills spider-man it becomes like whoa you know they killed spider-man in the first 10 minutes of the movie yeah i thought
2: that too i was like what how could you kill it (laughs) off so quickly but then and of
0: course i I did know that miles becomes spider-man by the end and so i was thinking okay that's what happens you know like miles is thrust into this situation he's too young he's not prepared but spider-man's dead and he's got the abilities right so he's going to become the little anarchist spider-man
2: uh-huh. yeah I, I
0: felt like spider-man died too easily uh, in the beginning
2: yeah
1: they did i agree all- they had that whole- him <laughs> getting beat up and now he's getting back up one of my issues is with consistent power levels right so the kingpin is They're just a strong- guy Mm-hmm. He's a normal guy. He's a big giant guy, but he's just a guy. Maybe he could like lift like a thousand pounds and that'd be like, you know, good. Spider Man can lift like ten thousand pounds.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he
1: would get punched in the face by Kingpin pretty much all day and he'd be okay. It wouldn't and be he great. He'd
2: definitely get but out of the way. Like, like with his webs, he's always been really fat. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, they did
2: give
3: Kingpin like a block effect, so I don't know if he got stronger because he became like a block of cheese. But yeah, he was
1: definitely <laughs> a block. Of cheese. <laughs> right. He looked great, by the way. I loved his design. I loved all the character. Yeah, designs, so. <laughs> I
2: was like, he's just a giant, star right. with a little head, right? He's yeah. of mass.
1: <laughs> he gains
3: power the more square he becomes.
1: So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the more geometrical he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: Hey, can game. I? I want to posit a theory. You know, I. Uh, I love watching videos like this. I mean, part of, you know, part of it's the art, that's just the entertainment factor, everything, and it's inspiring to see that level of art in it. But I always love any movie I watch, cartoon or otherwise, I love wondering what were the writers in like a movie like this? I don't know how many writers helped with story and everything, but I always wonder what what was their motive and what was the picture they were trying to convey Probably not in an obvious manner, you know? And so I want to posit that theory. I think that what I'm seeing is in the very beginning, they kill off the ideal version of Spider-Man, the light, like the blonde hair, light-eyed, like white guy with a wife. And it it just, and you know, he's really fit. He's a man that's just killing off, I think, the traditional stereotype of what a hero is in America. I guess you know, like in American comics, typically. Um, and then introducing all these different kinds of heroes, from a little Asian girl to like you know uh, a young black kid. He's like in what middle school, high school, um, and then like a girl. I don't know. She looks like high school age too, like that blonde girl. And then, well, you did have that guy who I pretty sure was voiced by Nicholas Cage. He sounded like, you know, from the black Yeah, he was. Yeah, like, he was. He was a cool character. But, you know, I mean, that that was more of a, I think, a nod to just that old style. And same thing with the little pig that was like a very old style of drawing like that. I remember. Drawing. Um, yeah. Anyway, my, I thought my theory was this. The idea that they wanted to convey was that anybody can be Spider-Man. You don't have to be the fit, blonde, white guy. You can be anybody. You can be a little Asian girl. You can be, you know, a little kid. You can be any. That's what I thought the, the underlying theme was. So I don't know what you guys think. Well, let me
1: ask fun. you: Did you did you like that? I mean, it sounds like it's a. I didn't even think I didn't even put that together that it was <laughs> symbolic of them killing the traditional superhero, oh, yeah. the white. Well, what
2: are your thoughts, Jack? You like yeah,
1: what did movie? you did you did you like that, or did you think it felt a little forced? Was it a little too social justicey, or what did you think?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I mean, mean, yeah, it's well, like. Oh, well, I would just say. I mean, you can go first. You want? Oh.
2: Well, so I think <laughs> Robert, were you asking yeah, my opinion? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're on the show. You're here to talk about your opinions. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: my opinions. Okay. So I thought, you know, it was neutral to me, uh, at least what I'm remembering it, of it so far. I don't remember. Uh, th- oh, I remember there was a lot of destruction of property, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, along the way.
2: Mm-hmm. I just, that was one thing that bothered me, but. That's pretty
0: pretty standard, really, in these comic movies.
2: Yeah, and superheroes in general. Uh, so it was kind of benign to me. I, I don't remember them advocating for violence of any, you know. The first Spider-Man, he died, nobly speak. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can understand if someone's really passionate about that topic. Like, they're really into people. <laughs> like, they're into shifting uh, social norms, really the goal. And, and right. if it's done in that way, if they're just trying to do that, I, I didn't see a love that could be extracted. Um, I could just disagree with the idea to an extent, like if someone takes it to the extreme where literally anybody can save all these people and be super strong and on par with Spider-Man, as, like how Spider-Man traditionally was, he's really strong. You know, if if you're trying to say that anybody can, like literally anybody, you just have to freak out the line they said. It was at the end. Anybody can, I can't remember... Why, if you think, I can't remember. <laughs> it's like, if you care, I don't know. But I would disagree with that idea, philosophically. So it's just more of a philosophical disagreement on like whether or not that's logical to say that anybody can be a strong superman and save a bunch of... There, there's this, anyone can save somebody else, but there are limitations in terms of ability. I recognize that. And so I think that that is what I would probably challenge somebody. I'm, I'm neutral to them putting it in the movie. Well, not neutral, since obviously I don't want... Though, those aren't the social norms I'm like super focused on spreading, but I, I'm neutral in that. I don't think it was like, oh, they're being violent, you know? If that ends my opinion. I'd really like <laughs> <thoughts laughs> to hear your thoughts on that. That good thoughts.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, so if you saw with the movie, the thing that um, was interesting... Uh, to me, of course, is is what she said in terms of the the symbolism. They both had a symbolism at the beginning of killing off the original Spider-Man, and at the end, they you know had the fat white Spider-Man who you know couldn't maintain a relationship but had lots of self-doubt get be- sent back to his you know respective uh, dimension. I think you know that was meant to evoke what you were just talking about, which is this idea of killing off the traditional form of Spider-Man. And introducing a diversity of you know characters, and of course some of these characters are characters that are you know real in the comics and stuff. So it's like I'm not yeah. like complaining about whatever you know real thing, but there is there is a focus with that. That was not. Um, accidental is very intentional and the directors even talked about that in the commentary that their goal was to like bring out this like new kind of diversity with it and of course there's you know a market sense that where they're just trying to be like okay let's reach out to new audiences let's try to get everybody to buy in because if any kid watching it no matter what they are thinks they could be spider-man well now you just have a bought-in you know new audience of any kind right it's no longer oh it's just some white guy okay well if i'm black if i'm you know some asian girl or something like that yeah how could be Spider Man, so of course monetarily right. that makes sense. They're trying to get people hooked in by using that psychology. But the the part that's actually sinister, and I think this is where a lot of people lose that who are you know anti SJW just you know in in the aesthetic um, as opposed to the philosophical, uh, is that the movie promoted a theme of egalitarianism in in uh, ability and power so that's this right. is uh not so much an issue of like anybody could be spider-man because obviously you get bit by a spider whatever you have these powers the the bigger issue is the training that came with mastering those skills and this is something that has been a trope across many different films um especially anything that's disney related At uh 2000s. yeah that's most certainly 2000s. and it's this idea that uh uh, Efforts and work ethic are to be devalued and seen as something that is uh, wrong or privileged, and that or just if you ignored. can ignore
2: or just ignore, just true. We
3: think like yeah, it's
2: a logical hold.
3: right? And if. Um, people just want to be anything they want to be. It's this idea of like belief is truth or belief is reality. That is now what is the acceptable norm. And of and course this, right. And that's very corrosive. Know? this is what ties into, you know, radical SJWism, which is just this idea of, Oh, if I identify as this today, I'm now that. Yes. You know what I mean? And that is seeping into comics and even in this movie, and it might seem benign at first, but the underlying message through the character narratives is that, um, basically, it's like oh if you just believe now you have powers and now you have skill and that to me is extremely dangerous and destructive you know, obviously on young kids because it, it brings them the sense of oh, okay I you know I just believe and then I can or I deserve to be something and that's even where you know gets even worse is this entitlement mentality where you think you deserve something just because you say you are this thing. And yeah. this theme was not just limited to the characters, but if you look at the narrative and how they structured the family, uh, the you know father, of course, was a police officer, and they they always play this in movies where it's like if there's a cop, he's hard, but okay. oh, he's right at the end of the day, right? Oh, you know, he's hard on you, but it's okay. But His status, authority is, is really care. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know when they push him to go to the elite private prep school. Uh, the like focus, he's like
2: he demands his child say i love you right right he's using his authority <laughs> right to like, say, I love you, they, they use then,
3: right violent communication like, threats yeah. force ultimatums and they normalize that because yes. that's, that's a status mentality and they try to you know trauma bond to people and for those are not familiar with trauma bonding trauma bonding is where people are put into a situation that is violent or oppressive or threatening and or humiliating and through that experience, they bond with the people in their life. And that, you know, is the case with the father is that there's this violence and threats and shame. There's not peaceful communication, but through that and their living struggles like that brings them together. And the father in go childhood elite school, if you notice, there is this kind of, um, you know, built in theme of uh, what you expect of like the upper progressive leftist mentality of like oh I get to go to an elite prep school even though he earned it because he got in the test and he de- denounces it and plays down that you know his effort right he, it's, he, he plays down
2: it's segregated. right
3: it is it mentions that too that you know oh he's it's bad because he's segregated from other students because he goes to this elite prep school but he downplays the fact that he did well in the test mm-hmm. um which is funny enough you know even in a moment where there's a meritocracy he downplays his meritocracy portion in that by downplaying how well he did on the test and then when he goes to elite school he's
2: almost ashamed he's
3: like ashamed of it right he downplays it there and, and and makes it seem like it's a bad thing like having money which of course is just providing you know, value in the market in most cases, or, you know, having elite education or academic standards is somehow like a bad thing. Like performance is bad. Elitism is bad, but it's not really elitism in a, you know, status sense of like, oh, you're threatening people, stealing from them, destroying their property. It's just, oh, if I, you know, work hard and have education and have a really great experience at an elite institution, that's somehow something I should be ashamed of and feel bad about. And it's this, this, uh, you know, kind of mentality that uh, if you're, you know, in that, You know, let this progressive psychology, and you have status or you have money. Well, okay, that's okay as long as you feel bad about it, right? As long as you like denounce, like, oh, that's bad, right? You recognize your privilege, but as long as you recognize and check your privilege, it's okay. Okay, then you can be at the elite school. Then you can be with you know all the other people. You know, have have this money and status (laughs) as long as you denounce it and just say, I'm just. I'm just so privileged, and then it's okay, right? So they have this built-in theme of you know that egalitarianism with you know self-shaming or self-loathing for status or for hard work, and they try to replace that with this idea of well, right? Because it is, it is
2: saying, oh, it's about classes, the rich versus the
3: poor. In that sense, it is a form of that cultural aspect of Marxist theory, which is the idea that you know all people are are totally equal in ability. Or um more so uh no matter what they do, no matter what value they provide to others, they should be, you know, rewarded the same. And you know, again, there's a big difference between respecting human dignity and everybody's rights and saying, Oh well, just because I, you know, took a shovel and in the dirt, my, you know, my labor is now as valuable as someone who like works to develop the next, you know, computer processor. Right. So it is this very sinister psychological message that underpins the entire movie that if right. you don't, you know, pay attention to it, you might just miss it, especially if you're just, you know, a kid watching, enjoying the action. But if you listen to the director's commentary, it actually firmly corroborates that analysis you can make of the entire theme of the movie, which is that it's meant to seed in this idea that um, having money or having prestige is bad and you should be ashamed of yourself Uh, get rid of, you know, white archetypes, white male archetypes, replace it with diversity, and everybody deserves to be powerful. And uh, belief is what makes you, you know, effectively uh, a a hero or talented. Not hard work, not, you know, studying hard, not honing your craft, but just belief that, oh, I'm going to do this. And that's everybody now. And that's that's that psychological egalitarianism that, you know, in in many ways for me, you know, maybe chuckle throughout the movie.
2: (laughs) To me, it's frightening that these people with these minds have the budget the ability, you know, spend 90 million mm-hmm. on a movie, to be able to see their ideas. But that's why we're trying to continue the volunteerism. Right. I, I for competition against that. I'm inspired by their art. I'm inspi- inspired by their to execute, but <laughs> I am wholly dissatisfied with the philosophical undertaking.
3: Which is a reminder that every, like, there is not, there's no such thing realistically in, in most any medium of like having a comic or movie or comic movie that doesn't have philosophy it's always in there and if you miss it you might have to just like look into it to understand it but it comes to right the character dialogue how someone is seen as a hero or anti-hero or a villain how those themes are presented presents the philosophical narrative that leaves right. you with, you know, what you're supposed to be thinking and feeling. And that's, that's the scary understandable.
2: part. It, you're, you can't help but color whatever your own built and bias, your output. And especially if you believe in I, if that's how the world is, mm. well, you're going to try and the world is. Mm. That in we just mind. got
3: deep there. We were just, we were just <laughs> dancing around and just waiting for that moment when that door is going to be <laughs> yeah. going to be open.
0: <laughs> and that's our show. ladies. And gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: just kidding! Just kidding. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, you, you you put a lot out there, and I think a yeah. lot worthy discussion. Um, I I, I kind of want to go in several different directions simultaneously. Sure. But my take on this before seeing the movie was that you know Stan Lee was criticized for response he gave to a question about why is Peter Parker a white guy from the from Brooklyn? And after he died, I think what it was the last November, there were articles bringing that up and being like. Look at this bias and hatred of Stan Lee because he was against there being, you know, like different versions of Spider-Man, even though there were different versions of Spider-Man as attested by this very movie and, uh, you know, the origin stories that are that are talked about. But when when, um, you know, I first heard that oh there's going to be a Miles Morales character and, uh, you know, it's it's that SJW thing where they want everyone to be there's like a quota to fill. Your characters, you know. Quota. Like Your were,
3: cannot be white. It must be at least 30% brown, 30% gray, ten percent yellow web.
2: Why would you imply that webs are white? <laughs> right. <laughs> they are right. Yeah. White and yellow. White webs?
3: <laughs> out of here.
0: <laughs> and when the, the you know the new Doctor Who got announced and it was a woman, <sighs>
2: you
0: yeah, know, like a big deal, but but other people weren't satisfied because it was a white woman or something, you know. Right. And, yeah. They're so
3: satisfying. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean you can never make yeah. these people happy. And and I, yeah. I saw a meme um after that that said the next doctor who was can be this um crippled like muslim
3: woman <laughs> yeah. a right. <laughs> wearing a bikini but it's
2: well, they're a like bikini
3: she went key. back in time to get triggered in the past <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> it, it's nuts though it really it really is nuts i've always been anti sjw for philosophical reasons I, I you know i don't care about superficial i don't care about what people choose to do with what they want with their life like that's not my thing like you know what i mean I, as a principal voluntarist i don't care whatever people want to do you know, as long as you're not initiating force against the people, this that. I don't care about what color or disability characters people want to have. I don't care about that either. That's not the real issue. The real issue is that uh, in an attempt to uh, kind of both appease people like who are demanding, oh, you need to have more representation and also promoting a narrative of anybody can just do anything through, you know, magical belief, like magical thinking, it's, it's, What's really sinister, more so about that, is that it's being pushed onto kids, and the kids are just having this layered um, into their psychology, where it is yeah, um,
2: subconsciously.
3: subconsciously right changing their views about what they think about the world, and that to me, what that drives at is the entitlement mentality. That's the real root problem that actually is developed here is this idea that they're, you know, oh, hard work. You know what I mean? What is that? You know what I mean? Hard work. Oh, if you have power, if you have riches, if you have skills, that was just privilege, right? That was the reason why you had those things. And so it's a denouncement of the idea that people actually need, you know, a drive, goals, work ethic to craft and, and make mistakes and hone their skills. And to me, that's what's really scary you know i I don't care you know all day every day i don't care i'll watch whatever when it comes to superhero stuff if the story's good if the character's engaging i don't care if they're you know some disabled black lesbian if it's good if the context is good it's good i don't care about the superficial but when it comes to the underlying philosophical if they're trying to push that narrative that's what they're trying to really you know sinisterly get kids to think is that anyone who has you know success power um And when I say power, I mean like in in terms of like intellectual power or um, skill power, you know, social influence, stuff like that where they honed a craft. That's specifically what I'm talking about here. That, that is somehow just purely privilege, no work work ethic whatsoever and if you want to be just like them oh well that's just belief right that's just realigning um redistributing the uh the, the power structures and now suddenly magically oh see you now now you're equal to anybody else too just because you think that way and that's you know magically you just think oh now i'm smart oh okay you're smart no like oh now i'm talented at this thing no it takes hard work to get you know craft your skill Like. That's the crazy part. Like, that's the real, you know, SJW nonsense.
1: Yeah. I wonder if they redistributed their Oscars to people that didn't have Oscars. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, uh, it was just luck that they happened to make that movie. It wasn't like hard work and effort that went into making the movie and a lot of talent. Right? Yeah. The yeah. Huge amounts of
0: effort from what I read. <laughs> you know, the 177 animators working on this thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But uh, speaking of the mindset, um, Robert, you sent me an article this afternoon, and this might be you know, a little sidebar discussion, about one of the directors defending uh, the tactics of Antifa, thinking that they are actually fighting against this scourge of a, a resurgence of white supremacy in the United
1: States. Yeah, it's the first guy I listed. It's Peter Ramsey. Um, he got into a Twitter discussion with another guy, and he seems to be... He seems to be the kind of guy that takes the d- default standard, like, lefty position. Like, you know, he doesn't, I okay, this is my take on it, that Peter Ramsey doesn't seem to be a deep philosophical thinker. Like, he's more in line, he's making his art, and he has certain beliefs, but he's in Hollywood, right? He's operating in Hollywood with all these other lefties, and he's getting hit with this cultural Marxism, and yeah, he's like, yeah, you're probably right. And then he gets online, and he gets talking about what Antifa is. And he probably watches CNN, and then you know every once in a while he'll watch like MSNBC just in case CNN didn't get all the facts right. So he's like super well informed, and he knows enough about Antifa as they are anti-fascists, right? I mean, that's what they are, right? They're not anything They're else. The the They're name. the guys that are against the fascism, right? So as far as uh, you gotta go, the name. As far as you gotta know, right? You, you, know, you know the name, and then you know enough about them, right? So you're not against those guys; you're against the guys that they oppose. So he came out pretty much saying, "Hey, I'm yeah for Antifa, which is disappointing to me. I disagree with him. I think he's ignorant on what Antifa is and what they do. Um, that said, if I were to not you know boycott all movies that from people who support Antifa, I don't think I'd be able to watch a single movie, mm-hmm. um, especially not in the west." Uh, Hollywood is full of lefties and this is very much well known. And if you were to ask them, are you anti-fascist, they'd probably 100% say, yeah. So, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing. I know what do you guys think? I mean, can you separate the art from the artist? I, like you talked about, these are people with, you know, they're artists with ideas about the world and they want to represent that world through their art. And that's just a natural process, like Philosopher, you were saying. It's kind of just naturally goes into your art as you are creating something. You want to make it about something. You want it to reflect the world that you believe in. And it just comes out. I don't necessarily, it doesn't have to be malicious, but they may have, they think they're doing a good thing, right? They think that they're educating yeah. people, and that this is how the world really is. And they're making the world a better place. I
2: think it's it depends on the individual who's writing it. It's usually, how it goes who are the the writers. They have the purpose behind it. The people they hire, if they're the artists, that the tech bring it to life. If they're the actors, the voice act. Um, those people could really just part of something awesome. They don't need this underlying message at all. Um, they may even agree with it subconsciously and never thought about it no critically thought through it as most people do with, with most things that they learned growing up, mm-hmm. <laughs> they just, right. it and they're like, that's just my worldview, but they, they don't even understand that that's reality. So I, I think it just kind of just like any order, uh, any government, you will have people in the system that, that are not like the main masterminds behind it plug into the system and thinking that they're getting a certain value or doing a certain thing, but there are, yes, who are more They may, may be the silent funder. have had nothing to do with the whole process, but they're like, I'll fund it if you just, is the idea you're going with, with that.
0: Yeah. It's like the pawns and the useful idiots.
2: Yeah, I'd be curious, uh, bet we could just look up how many people were anime writers are for the story.
3: And the executive producers, yeah.
2: Who are they? Well, that's true. I mean, it's the
3: executive producers who definitely, obviously, they're, they're doing the funding and they're going to choose whether they want to fund the script or not. And so, to some degree, you know, they're going to be selecting who they think will carry out, you know, their vision with the script uh, when it comes to selecting, you know, line producers or directors and stuff. So, you know, there, there's definitely that too. Um, to just look at, <laughs> you can probably
0: find a trend there. Yeah, there was a lot of like pro status stuff in here. Uh, there was the cop who doesn't like the vigilante Spider Man, so he doesn't yeah. like any competition. <laughs> and I know they didn't come up Hi. with the name Jefferson Davis, that was a, a, a name for that character from the comics for years. But I find it curious that Jefferson Davis, who was, of course, the president of the Confederate States of America, uh happens to have the same name as this black cop character and i I wonder do i do any of you know the history of why a character in the marvel universe happens to have the same name coincidence
3: i don't know i'm not familiar enough with it to know on that part yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i don't know for sure i mean they usually sneak in names from um, comic book creators of the past or they have some relation to the character but in this case i don't know all right well i was hoping but but, well you were well, okay, so you were saying how the cop annoyed you. This, this annoyed me too. When the cop was going on a rant in the very beginning, when Miles gets in the car and uh, something about Spider-Man comes on the little cop radio and he goes on the little rant and he, compa- he compares, you know, Spider-Man to cops and he's like, cops put their lives on the line. Yeah. Yeah, so does Spider-Man.
2: <laughs> he died.
1: In fact, he died.
2: In fact, he died. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, and if you look at a list of, like, most dangerous jobs, uh, police officers is actually quite low on the riskiness mm-hmm. factor. Like, loggers is, like, number one and factory yeah. workers, et cetera. I'll try to find that and put that on our show notes page because it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty interesting.
3: Yeah. Well, something with, um, you know, with the, the trope of cops and comics and especially, like, you know, movies, too, is there's often a theme that um, the police officers are seen as, no matter what, an ethical good even if there are bad apples or even if they make tough you know tough choices and do things or
2: they make mistakes
3: right or they make <laughs> mistakes they will always are they're always presented as an ethical good and, and characters who act outside of that even you know vigilantism with the batman or Spider-Man, whoever they're always seen as these rebels who are permitted to do the rebellion as long as it's relatively within the lines of what police want and they give deference to police at the end of the day. Like the vigilantes are allowed to do their own thing as long as they, you know, hat tip to the police at the end of the day and don't say, oh, they're right. bad. Don't say, oh, you're unethical or you're corrupt.
2: They always as, show the cops right. coming in to arrest the guy.
3: Right, the they just say, okay, well, we, we just don't want to be touched, but you guys are good, right? That's that's the whole gist that, you know, kind of underpins this thing is that it, it's this like a uh, Overton window of acceptable discourse about police and comics and, and films is that you could be a rebel, but can't rebel too much right it's like you're 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 a permissible rebel it's okay you know some people just have different views you know they just need to like express themselves a little differently that's okay as long as at the end of the day you lick the boot and you say cops are good and i'm gonna you know still help them out and support them and not you know say that they're unethical or meaningfully criticize them and you know that's intentional it's, it's meant to do the hegelian dialectic which is you know problem reaction solution you're getting people to you know see that there's some type of problem but then you're you're coming up with that solution, that, that preconceived end that you want them to be at. And that's what's happening even within that uh, you know superhero trope is that these vigilantes are doing things, they're outside the law, but technically at the end of the day, they still come back to the police you know, hand over to them. That suggest business. that they're okay. Yeah. You know, protect the police. You know, support them and things like that. And and by and large, this this motif has been undisturbed in most all comics, um, with a few rare exceptions, like you know, one Superman issue, where, and this is in the past. You know, in the Obama presidency, where he's like with protesters and he like has a big chain. And he's just stopping police from like. You know, going after the protesters—that's it. It's not like he's critiquing the police meaningfully. It's just, oh, don't mess with the First Amendment or something. You yeah. know, I mean, that, that's about as far as it goes. Um, you know, by and large, And there really is a very limited uh, window uh, of discourse that's that is permitted within within uh, mainstream comics and movies. And I, you know, just the other day, I was even researching, you know, just comics for anything that could find as relates to statism or liberty and things. And there was a a, a brief period, I think, related to um, the. Uh, sh- oh, what was his name? It was like 93 around that time where there was um the a- the ATF went after a man because he wouldn't cooperate with them and like work with them. And he shot him and his pregnant wife. I just, it just let my Ruby mom be every yeah, Right. So yeah, Randy John... Bieber, I think, right. Right. So in that realm of time and that, that's, that was sparking, there was this like Superman comic for like a couple issues. They had this guy called um, agent Liberty and he like defects from the CIA, but even there, you know, talking about his leaving to this thing called like, you know, sons of Liberty or something like that. Like even this like rebellion against the government uh, eventually is shown as bad and they just want to like overthrow the government. And then he comes back to work, you know, for the government. And it's just, it's ridiculous because in every single case, virtually every single case, all the media, all the comics all the movies have, you know, a kind of controlled rebellion, right? It's like they permit people to think within their rebellion fetishes and to have that kind of, you know a taste of it satisfied but then they bring it back right so the idea is no matter what they want to capture psychology so that no matter what you get loot back into well yeah i guess the state's the best at and, the end of the day
2: and if know. they <laughs> show government a thing bad mm-hmm. they always paint it on as a few bad apples road cop bad them, apples they just need to get cleaned up there's always good right. police right. good you know, government if the good mayor at the end being right like, thank you for exposing his corruption right you've done a great service to the mayor
3: team. can do nothing wrong he owes the keys yeah. to the city
1: he's just a saint and who yeah. was the bad guy? Who was the bad guy? The well, capitalist. Wilson Fisk. Fisk. Right. And- well, in that <laughs> case, he's also trying to kill people. Or he doesn't care yeah, to kill yeah, people. Yeah, he- but to Jack uh, yeah. and Fo's point, <laughs> yeah. anytime that there's any kind of an anarchic character, it's always a villain. So mm-hmm. in the Batman universe, there is a, an actual villain called Anarchy. Right, with right. a K. Yeah, and then in the, the Marvel universe, there's a, I believe there's a guy called Anti-Flag he was also i think he's a captain america villain yeah and so you know it's always portrayed in a negative light yep. these people are outside of the acceptable realm and they're always you know killing people or doing stuff they're basically yeah. antifa but you know like anyway.
2: they have understandable reasons for going outside but they're also going to be violent right like even
3: um uh, I, I think i just recently i did a meme that came from superman versus the elite i think that was 2012 it was a, a movie and, you know, there's this group of superhumans or people with such abilities who themselves start to actually be effective at taking out criminals. So much so they're even just killing them. You know what I mean? Like, they're actually just like, nah, these people are bad. We're going to kill them. And Superman gets pissed at this. He's like, you can't just do this. He's like, you can't murder people and call yourself heroes. And then the guy who you was know, one of the what will be later bad guys in terms of the show says, oh, really? Well, your government does that all the time. right? Right, And so it was like a very quick moment and the Superman's face like they show his face even being like Oh, that's a good point. Or but then he doesn't home. say anything, and he just rolls past it, <laughs> pushes past it. And it's just uh, he's
2: shown to be the hero well,
3: they give little, the Yeah, of the yeah oh of course. At the end, Superman they're, they're bad and then Superman just you know takes them out. So you know, even if they give those things, it, it the point is, is that if they give a rebellion, they couple it with something to make them evil in the end. So no right. matter what, absolutely it's a controlled or discourse. Just right, an or malicious or just murderers. So it's it's very sick, and a lot of people don't see that because it's very
2: insidious. That is the subconscious program. Right. When you have movies like this, beautiful artwork, funny jokes like that. It's, that is what is subconscious kids. Kids who don't know how to Mm create, as we've seen with a lot of adults. Yeah. Well, the
1: college doesn't help. No. Yeah.
2: Right. So bad. And, uh, in that mode, when you're developing pre and you're starting to uh, uh, change at puberty, like the way I phrase that.
3: You're coming into your age <laughs> where there's going to be funny stuff happening. Yeah,
2: there's a, there's a lot of emotions. You don't know how to critically think yet and so things that aren't Outright stated to you ideas that aren't outright just symbolic presented will just your psyche just naturally accept it mm-hmm. because if it's if it's presented to you like it is reality and make it into the pretty package of your favorite actor beautiful artwork a girl that or character that you identify with well it'll just really natural as a kid to be, yeah I think that way like because it's like cool it's mm-hmm. the culture that is how they they change the culture is with medium very beautiful entertaining artwork singers mm-hmm. actors um.
1: Mm
0: lady scientist cool step <laughs> three i re-examine my personal biases <laughs>
3: Wait,
1: what? that's a quote from the film when peter goes in and sees oh. doc ock oh uh,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah 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 they throw those little
3: things in there too you know those little oh. oh yeah they slip it in and it's it's very smart it's it's craftily put in there uh to get again the close i mean i mean i don't know how many movies you could talk about on this but uh you know a lot. <laughs> There's been a couple of recent films that go along with what we're talking about. You know, even just uh, have you all seen Endgame yet?
1: I have.
0: Daniel, I have not, but I'm I'm like 20 out of 22 movies behind. Okay, so it's okay to talk
3: a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spoiler that- for Endgame.
1: Spoiler.
3: Well, it's not. An, it's not an end spoiler. It's it's just something in the movie. Like for example, in even just Endgame, you know, Civil War already had kind of abandoned the strong rhetoric Captain America had in in being anti-government interference in people's lives um that is the, the film of, of civil wars compared to the comic but in endgame now that disney's got full control i mean he basically apologizes to tony stark for civil war affected. so you already yeah, have i
2: learned my lesson, like, I
3: learned my lesson. it's it was like so
2: abstract he wasn't even specific yeah. about what he wronged exactly he, he just <laughs> gave, that was just that that subconscious nodding they make up it's what like, um, Tony gets mad at, him and then they make up like,
3: Captain America. Right. So, like, they already have a apolo- apology for, you know, what was a serious issue, government registry of heroes and, like, interference in their lives. Yeah. So they're apologizing for that. Yeah. And then later on, uh, when uh, Captain America's apologizing to Black Widow, uh, he, like, says nonchalantly, oh, well, you know, everybody may be gone, but at least the whales, the whale population is more populous in, in the river now because humans are gone. So they give this little nod to like, oh, humans, act, you know, their existence activity is like killing whales, basically. And it's like, just like blows it off a little bit, but it's like, it's that insidious, you know, surreptitiously placed commentary that's meant to seed it in, oh, people kill the environment. And meanwhile, these same people who literally have the technology to go through time, who can make weapons and spacecraft and all this crazy stuff, they can't use technology to, I don't know, clean up plastic in the ocean. I mean, it's it's crazy because that's the whole message they're trying to imbue in people is this idea that technology is inherently evil. It's inherently polluting. Technology, oh, it can't be used to solve problems.
2: And it only humans creates themselves more of them. Are and hum- and right, no and humans are the cancer. Humans
3: are the, you know, population. the pollution. Right.
2: It definitely had a genesis eco fashion behind it too. Right. It just, hey, everything quieter.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, we want more yeah.
2: stuff to go around. Right, right. Like try,
0: try watching stuff any stuff. of the bbc documentaries on netflix right now with david atborough it's mm-hmm. brutal he throws all stuff, stuff into every episode and, and we watch with the kids because we want them to see animals and nature yeah. and all this yeah. stuff. beautiful yeah. stuff but right? they keep throwing all this commentary in about how terrible humans are
3: <laughs> right yeah i mean that's the point is these people are i mean seriously pretty they are they are anti-human um genocidal maniacs i mean that's what it boils down to is that these people have malthusian mindsets they think that um scarcity is just going to lead you know to people just crazily dying off and polluting everything When it's been the opposite that when you free the market people can freely innovate you're able to provide lots of people and rise amount of poverty and actually help clean up things because you have more efficiencies in the market you can use less uh, you know toxic mm-hmm. chemicals you can use uh, things that you know save trees like using digital documents and stuff yeah, so it, it's just ridiculous
2: right stuff strong respect that people are like okay Therefore the incentive is this. I can't violate my neighbor. I can't just take what I want. So now you have creativity, uh, you know. Creative <laughs> You're saying creativity
3: fuels people's innovations, like in yes, terms of the need. When, yeah. When
2: that yeah. when those individuals know that they have this, okay, I cannot hit or take other people's stuff. Right. Well, that is now the structure that they're operating. You have a massive amount of people doing that that's where that's when wealth is because now right. you have people voluntarily be specialized in there so now you have more productive output the most they will win out in the market providing the best
1: right and you yeah. have property rights so that incentivizes innovators to innovate because they know that they'll reap the benefits of their products in the market
2: right and that someone's not just to come in and take everything out from
3: right and it provides responsibility too for those who affect other people's property or bodies when you have specific property rights then you have a delineation of who's trespassing on who's property who is polluting or spilling toxin toxic waste on someone's property. And right. otherwise it's just day. generalized so and yeah i mean it really is nuts how um and you know in, in all these films you know starting to see a unifying theme especially because disney now owns everything right and i think you're going to just continue to see this theme uh growing uh, of anti-humanism which is this idea again of People being a cancer on the earth, or people or are gross. dirty they're and gross, the they're destroying, you're right, they're destroying the earth, they need to somehow go back to nature, and that like nature is somehow glamorous, and everything was just like free and abundant, there's no bugs, and there's no disease, like, it's, it's just absolutely insane. Like,
2: they want to be Thanos. There they want to be Thanos, these people are relax. literally. Ah, no. oh, the world's quiet again. They are. Yeah,
1: the, the stupid people that celebrate Thanos <laughs> blew me away. Yeah, yeah right, a lot me of away. But like, well, what if Thanos right,
2: like, was, was right, though? What if
1: he was right, though? We need That's to get rid of all the program. people because people don't innovate. Yeah. They don't That's create the, things. I'm we like, aren't read net read producers. That
2: That's that was programming. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Are we talking about the Green New Deal? <laughs>
2: uh yeah. Not specifically. Fortunately, but it's but the
1: Green No Deal. It. Fortunately, but yeah. <laughs> well, the, the the movie universe is going to get worse probably because in in uh they do kind of tip their hat about these earthquakes that are happening underwater. Yeah, and that may be bringing part bringing into uh, being Namor, the Submariner, and he's right. probably got this underwater aquatic kingdom, and he's probably upset about the humans for polluting, and so there's probably going to be right, And they did, right. Aquaman, they, right? they did that in Aquaman. Exact like, oh, they did that in Aquaman. Exactly. We attack these people
3: because they're polluting our oceans, and it's like it's the same thing where you, you go underwater and you look at these kingdoms, and this—I mean—it epitomizes the people in power. Like what you're seeing in these movies is really more than anything a mirroring of those who actually have this state. You know, cronius power. Yeah. And it's this idea that they magically get all their technology. It just happens, right? There's no concept of. Right, the
2: Atlanteans of, are right, so technical. Right. Atlanteans
3: are advanced. The people of Macondo are advanced. I mean, just completely absurd concepts right, that Econundas don't bring so in the idea yeah, of, of how uh, trade at, uh, and shared knowledge across the world benefits people and is what it's what like brings the, up technology the in the first like place us, right
2: like you can just have this they, super smart ai it will therefore right. allocate
3: perfectly yeah like you're gonna magically essentially plant and then all of the on top of that they again have a worship of what those in state power really want which those in state power don't want democratic republics or republics at all i mean not that that's you know not itself a, a form of control but they want their their old reigns back, which is why they worship princesses, Kings, and those type of, you know, unitary rulers, because that is what the, what those in power really want. They want to be back to the ages of, kings. they want to be back to the ages of Queens and be worshiped and be like, yes, we are your rulers. We are your gods. And that's why they, you know, an Aquaman and stuff like that. They, they keep focusing on, oh, you're, you know, you're the king. You need to come back and rule in Wakanda. It's like, oh, yes, you're the rightful king. Well, how? Oh, we murder each other in a, in a, you know, a, a sword fight, and then boom, you're king now, and you have all the intelligence to rule people. Essentially, playing right. I mean, this is literally what those in power think. Is like, like
2: it's, I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> loyal to that throne. I'm loyal to That's that, the that end throne. End Whoever sits Just
3: in that throne, throne, I am loyal. I will. <laughs> Sit there
1: and kill a people for you. Like, yeah.
2: I am loyal. Right,
1: and that's a and we can't get along part. without you. We absolutely right. need you. We so absolutely. important. You're so important. You're the most important <laughs> person.
2: Right, and, right. But that's what would idea. we do?
3: Right, and that's the whole premise that they're trying to imbue on young minds. I mean, even with things you know as benign as like you know Disney movies that seem like oh, it's just oh, like, like a Frozen. princess Frozen. stories or Frozen. No, the whole there is a very real philosophy that is being pushed uh, onto kids, and it's a, a side. A... What's that? Mm-hmm it's a real philosophy, Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata, right? I mean, right. They're redoing the Disney movies too, uh, you know, in uh, CGI now, right? So it, it's the same I thing, right? You know, the king, the king of the jungle, right? Oh, it, we need Simba's king, right? It's this. It's the same concept of trying to keep people in a psychology of, oh, you need to be ruled, and if there isn't somebody there, then things just go to chaos, and it's You know, it's just wrong. Nobody can do anything, and yeah. nobody can think for themselves, and that's that's the whole goal is to ensure that the population is fully indoctrinated into thinking that. Without having uh, central planning and leadership, they would be essentially nothing. They would be just killing each other as, you know savages. And it's like literally the, the total opposite in reality. You know, anytime the government you know reels back, anytime government just stop stay away, people are like, oh, let's freely trade and do contracts and do deals and, and, and enrich our lives. You know, what I mean, it's, it's really wild.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah.
3: I was just gonna
0: say, anarchy gets a, a terrible name. Uh, my wife and I have been watching some garbage television, uh, Doomsday Preppers, lately. Oh, we watch that. Oh, we watch that. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they have some kind of crazy concerns. Some are legit. But uh, in many of them, they go, yeah, it'll be utter chaos and anarchy. You know, they just keep reinforcing the idea that the lack of, of rulers is going to be destructive and violent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like one guy was like, oh, they're collapsed.
1: Right. Because yeah. There were no I, central planners to I, I, be responsible for the economy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Although there was one, I mean, philosophically didn't say much, but there was one case of guns and a bunch of silver. Cool.
3: I think some of them definitely like knew and had articulable reasons why they were doing what they're doing. But I, I, I'm pretty confident that the producers of the show did not want to cover that aspect.
1: Yes. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would agree with that. If you're producing a tight little thing. You don't want to get I, into some of those uncomfortable issues. Right.
2: Right. You got to wait. It don't it tell as... people about the Federal Reserve. Reserve that's yes. a private bank. Can don't make people. it as right. right? Or you don't
0: need they. Want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should probably wind this back towards Mother's Day or the Spider Verse. <laughs> the spider, yeah, the Spider no, Mother's,
2: about Mothers. Day.
3: Day. This mm-hmm. is what Mother's
0: Day status. well we do try to keep this uh, to about an hour, and and so we're about at that time, and so we end with Perfect. a final summary and review. And uh, Robert, you want to start us off, and then we'll go
3: uh, Bing Bang, uh, ladies first. And then it's, yeah. sure, I'm identifying as a lady now because Spider-Man told me if I believe I can be, so here I am. It's
2: ma'am.
1: It's ma'am now. Spider-Man.
2: It's Spider-Man. Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man.
1: Well, I got to give props to our guests for bringing up a lot of the the social justicey, like mar- social Marxism type stuff. I didn't even even me that I'm super trained to it, to like attuned to see it all the time. Yeah. It kind of slipped past me, so I really do appreciate that. That said, um, this movie is beautiful. I think it tells a really nice story. It's, it's an origin story, and I have issues with that. Um, like, all of a sudden, like Miles believes in himself, and then all of a sudden, he's just like the greatest Spider-Man of all time, and he's flipping <laughs> around and beating up the Kingpin, no problem, and he's turning invisible all the time, and he's zapping people. and
2: It can last in this, like... This as long
1: as he believes.
2: Huge, yeah. yeah, black hole of time, and space, <laughs> like Spider-Man. Fit one yeah he God. just became a,
1: yeah i mean he was he was a terrible spider-man he was struggling the whole time and then it's like he flipped the switch in his brain and then all of a sudden he was amazing and mm-hmm. so that yeah i, I completely agree well, with you on that that was yeah. i had an issue with that like all of a sudden at the very end he's as awesome as he needs to be in order to beat the bad guys and he can do it all by himself he doesn't need the help of all these other spider-mans right mm-hmm. but the movie is a lot of fun and i really did enjoy all of the can't believe I'm gonna say it but the diversity just because in the characters I mean, I didn't care if, if there's a little Asian one and whatever. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, she's a cool character I like the spider-man noir. I like spider ham.
2: I, like, I like the nod to anime
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I thought it, and it's just beautiful and kinetic and amazing action and they're really talented talented artists that put into what into making this movie and I really tip my hat to all those amazing talented artists that made this movie um, even if you know, maybe the director is some kind of dumb lefty guy that supports Antifa and cultural Marxist. And, you know, <laughs> that's why we're here. We're trying to counteract that. And we want to create things that equally inspire and counteract that dumbass bullshit, but it's still a great film. And I don't know, like if now that you've said what you've said and kind of educated me on this, I appreciate that. If I had a kid, I would definitely, like Daniel said, I don't know if I'd let them watch it, especially not without me there in the room kind of talking and explaining. things. So, um, but I can't give this anything less than like an eight point five though. It's just too good. It's too beautiful. So that's that's that for me.
2: Cool. Okay, cool. Bing bang. He's first, <laughs> yes, sir.
3: It's alright. I'll let you be a lady today.
2: Um. <laughs> so yeah, you know, for me, I guess in the beginning, I, I forgot about it. it's It's interesting. It. Even that is an example of what happened, the things that you will remember conscious, the art, aesthetic, the beauty, you know, I told you, it's very pretty art, 10 out of 10 from my end, draw that, right. Um, it's beautiful art, but when you start to analyze the underpin subconsciously, that's, what. and so, you know, to me, this is just another level of needing to have philosophy and self-knowledge about what ideas you're eating as you watch and try and be more aware of your brain. subconscious conscious in the practice of that. Uh, I think it's just pertinent in order to have a society full of people who are rational, are in like as a collectivized P and see the groups on the individual, yeah, or just, it's, it's so important. And uh, before any movies like this, it, you have to do that work yourself as a parent, they had it as well, not just have your child be yet another human being and programs by people who over all, <laughs> or it is. I thought. <laughs> so give
1: it a, give it a rating.
2: give funny. it a rating. Philosophically, I mean humor was it was good you know, humor the song i like that song so i'm just saying the aesthetics, great that really high
0: vibe. that's a very diverse score philosopher. Yeah. <laughs> thank you <laughs> oh,
3: goodness. all right jack all right. What's your summary review? all right so i think the you know overall film for me i'll give it just all categories considered to seven overall and what really holds it out of seven for me is just the artwork because it was um it was pretty to look at. It was fun. It was new and engaging in a lot of ways in terms of aesthetic. And, you know, some people might not like it, but for me, obviously, a comic fan, I did like it. I did like the um, diversity of characters that they had in terms of uh, bringing in different kinds of cool you know, Spider-Man or She-Males or whatever, Spider-Zs, no, uh, whatever they were uh, from different uh, dimensions. But uh, I-, I thought that was great. That was a lot of fun for me. Like, that was very yeah. enjoyable. Um, but you know, again, the thing that holds it back from being a great film for me is is the uh, very clear uh, philosophical underpinning message and the lack of robust uh, dialogue in terms of uh, you know how they communicate with each other, the characters, and and how they developed um, both their emotions and their thoughts throughout the film. It was to me, it was it was very elementary. And uh, when it comes to PG movies, I usually expect there to be something um that is a, th- a bone for adults to throw like disney movies did back in the day with animated films where they have double entendres and things that like you know kids can watch it goes over their heads but adults can watch like oh, oh that's funnier, or like you know some of that they didn't have as much of that it definitely was more childish uh in, in just everything um so for that i was like yeah but again very entertaining as a movie definitely fun to see and worth watching at least once
0: all right well thank you for that and uh i don't really have much to add i thought it was a very beautiful film as well but i didn't really care so much for the story or all the little nods to statism and uh the social justice uh, (laughs) activities i mean there was even when miles gets to the uh to the prep school that he he goes to he says that it's an elitist school and he'd rather be with the people people. yeah and there it is yeah yeah so that was a big you know like uh democratic socialists not or what do they call themselves socialist democrats
3: i forget no yeah no and you're absolutely right that is that is the goal and it's again there it's not a moral thing in terms of like them being like oh well i absolutely won't go right it's as long as you just along the way say oh i'm privileged i gotta apologize for my privilege at the moment then you can stay in your privilege then it's okay then you can stay at the elite school as long as you as long as you say oh poo poo me i i'm so privileged right (laughs) then it's okay but you know, you're not—they're not actually like, oh, well, let's leave. This is unethical, right? So yeah. <laughs> well, I am so privileged to have you
0: as our guest. And you. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna go with a six point five on this. So I think I think you guys talked me down a little bit, and Robert had built me up. Ooh. <laughs> uh, my expectations were a little higher on this movie, and so I think I think it might have been a little bit uh, of a of a better score until we had this discussion, but we did.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a pretty film. It, you know, aesthetically, independently of its own, I can appreciate other people's arts, even if, you know, I don't agree with them politically, philosophically, whatever you're going to say. I can, the the I can appreciate the art. I can appreciate the art. Abundance. But it's a movie. So at the end of the day, I'm going to be like, eh, this plot, this dialogue, this philosophy. For
2: me, <laughs> it's just taught me to weary of, you know, things that are impact, enticing, or entertaining it really is important to question the motive, whoever, for your eyes. It always ties back to it until AI becomes <laughs> AI and movies. Until then, it's, it's back to it.
0: The Skynet. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah.
2: It'll trace back to humans. Um, it, it's always fascinating and, and sometimes just annoying to see what message we're trying to indoctrinate. But we are the counterpropagandists. Yeah. We're trying to do the same thing. Culture artifacts that have our you know beliefs imbued in them of uh, liberty. <laughs>
0: Right. And uh, people can find that at thephilosopher.com uh, <laughs> yeah. and volcomic.com. And the links will be on our show notes page. And I hope you guys can stick around a little bit longer, uh, for some of our post-show content for our Patreon supporters. People can support us at Patreon last slash Patreon. And, uh, Robert, next week, we're going to have Dr. Dennis Foster on to talk about the day the earth stood still, uh, the classic with Klaatu and the, uh, destructive robot and world peace and all this stuff. So I think it'll be a very interesting discussion and uh, looking forward to that. So people do check that out, watch that movie before we uh, publish that episode next week. So you'll be caught up to speed. I think it came out in what,
1: 1950, 55, something like that. The the, uh, is the Keanu Reeves remake? Is that, do you know if that follows pretty much the same storyline? Uh, I don't know much about it other than it probably wasn't very good. What are you, you're not talking about Keanu, right? You're talking about something else, right? You're not talking about Keanu. Keanu's good in The Matrix and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm-hmm. And and there was something. With John him. Wick. And, <laughs> and John Wick, point break. Come on, he's the greatest actor of our generation. <laughs> and he's a humble. He, he
2: just pressed the bus. The- oh, he wasn't? That yeah, Wick? he's a
1: nice guy. He's oh, nice Speed. Guy. Speed was
0: pretty good. All right, fine. He's great. All right, so we'll, we'll oh, even uh, maybe cover that one as well for next week. Anyway, uh, this has been our show, The Last Nighters, episode 71, also found on the Launchpad Media. So thank you guys for joining us. And I'll say goodnight from last night. Night. All right, so we're going to continue the Actual Anarchy podcast for just a few more minutes before we get into the Kathleen Turnover overdrive. It's super late for our guests, so I don't want to keep them too much longer. But, <laughs> Jack, uh, they opened this Into the Spider-Verse with the comic code, the, little, the seal, the symbol for the comic uh, code. And I'm just curious if you could talk to that for a moment and then also posit whether there should be potentially an Encapistani an, an version,
3: and what would that entail? I mean, the, the Comic Code Authority... Originally, it was just basically like a censorship group. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's really what it boiled down to is they were just, you know, trying to control who would be, you know, approved for, for uh, sales in, you know, your typical grocery store, comic book store, you know, kind of regulating what content or what words were allowed and stuff. And a lot of comic makers, of course, eventually just got tired of that. And that's why eventually, you know, by the time 2000s are rolling around, most people had abandoned it. And then I think it was like 2011 that it went away. That basically, you know, it was like, uh, yeah, we don't need to ask your permission to uh, make comics anymore.
0: <laughs> you it's know.
3: Like an MPAA board for comics, essentially. Essentially, it's my understanding of it. I mean, I, you know, read up a, little, a little bit about their history and, you know, just recently i looked them up for something. I forgot what it was some discussion I, I was having with somebody. I had to look that up. It's like, oh, okay, do they still exist? And I think they went out of business 2011. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's just um, basically a type of uh, – moral or ethical policing um, that was, you know, private, but to me it was kind of a silly thing. Um, Now, of course, rating agencies could be separate in terms of like saying, okay, this might be appropriate for a certain age group or something like that. You know, but the MPAA holds a lot of power though on that note. Um, There's a good documentary on that. Uh, I forgot the exact name of it offhand, but uh, you know, basically they, in this documentary they exposed, it was just like a bunch of like random people like in, in this uh, community coming together and watching a movie. It wasn't like they're like some special movie connoisseur people or like, you know, critics or something like that. It was just like regular people coming together and watching a movie be like, oh, okay, this should be R or not. You know, it's, you know, it's kind of a silly thing. It was very secretive, so they had to like, you know, secretly film and, see, you know, get the scoop about what they're doing. But yeah, I mean, to me, like, and, you know, the market, obviously, if someone wants to make a rating thing for the purpose of just saying, oh, hey, you know, this is age appropriate for something, you know, whatever. But most of that was tied historically to channels um you know for distribution it, so it was kind of more of a communication tool for pre-established channels distribution whether you know think of the uh distributors for films or for comics it's like their way of like just vetting before it goes to distributor you know where it should go or should it not go um uh, but now nobody cares because it's like i uh, just put my comic on the internet if you like it you do if you don't you don't or you know download on demand
0: so that's technology the- making it uh Oh, definitely, Absolutely. it was part of making it
3: obsolete, and people just being like, "This is just stupid." I you mean, know, it's one of those things where you know, eventually, trying to like mic you know, micromanage whether you think a whole comic should be approved, you know, is is silly, as opposed to even just like a, a distinguished rating, you know, of saying things like PG thirteen, PG, or R. Or
0: now, wasn't it Marvel that actually uh, had to fight with the comic code to um, publish a, an anti drug publication?
3: I think they did, did. There is something. Yeah. I do remember reading that they were part of some disputes and there have definitely have been several notable disputes with them. I'd have to look it up offhand Cause it's not my area of expertise, what, you know, their history, but there definitely was a number of that of those instances. And I know Marvel definitely was well on the forefront of those issues. Cause Stan Lee was big into uh, putting in ph- philosophical things into his comics. You know, he actually said, Hey, my comics are actually meant to be uh, contemporary culture pieces talking about what's going on in the real world and having analogies and metaphors. And he said like, you know, in a, in a, soapbox, uh, you know, little news article that he wrote, you know, he said, you know, you shouldn't have to put your brain on the shelf just because you read comics. So, you know, and that's, you know, X-Men dealing with race, um, was a big part of that for Stanley because he was very anti-racism, anti bigotry
0: Right. Yeah. He, uh, he even came up with black Panther, right? That was one of his creations.
3: Right. And Luke Cage and, Luke Cage was even more of a commentary on um, basically race, racial tensions in the 70s that were really, you know, uh, coming to fruition um, and, you know, becoming an even more, you know, prominent uh, social uh, you know, movement on the heels of, you know, uh, bl- you know, black rights empowerment with uh, MLK and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, interesting. Well, I just wanted to throw a little extra content, the uh, actual Anarchy audience direction. Uh, so thank you for that, for that. Uh, for- What's the rest of it? Indulging me, indulging me. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, uh, of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely shows. And uh, you guys are great. Uh, so thephilosopher.com and Volcomic.com, Voluntarist Origins 3 will be the upcoming book. That
3: should be out in what, the fall?
0: Is that kind of the time? Uh,
3: I pushed back everything on this one because after the last issue, having, you know, I think as you remember, things didn't go as, as planned. Um, the people I was working with, you know, took forever. And I had to give them an ultimatum and say, you know, let's... get this done because it doesn't matter you know i mean i'm always good for the comics i'm going to make it happen myself no matter what but uh i realized after that instance i'm like okay i need to have more wiggle room for time in case something does come up because it's not like i'm not gonna make you know it's gonna get done no matter what but i want to make sure i gave myself a little bit more leeway um on both the the artist end and also on the production end uh because as i've been actually producing more pages and it's getting bigger Um, that's actually taking more time than in the past, right? Fewer pages. So of course, you know, turnaround time is a little bit shorter and I've had to readjust that. So at this point, you know, the goal is, uh, I think it's listed at March, 2020. Um, So it's like a total one year window from when the comic starts. But, you know, if I get it done earlier, I'm going to you know get it done. But I do have built in wiggle room just in case, because, you know, that's the worst thing. It's like people feel frustrated and rightly so if like it doesn't come out when they were hoping it was. And I don't want that happening. You know, I want people to, get it when they expect it. So I, you know, pushed out the expectation and hopefully I'd rather, you know, <laughs> um, over deliver than under deliver and, and make sure that everybody gets it on time. So either March or earlier, potentially. All right, that sounds
2: great. We don't.
3: Right, yeah, I already know, you know, I can <laughs> so only control what I control. Move. The
2: artists are out there, our control.
3: Right, artists, artists can better. can be very flaky sometimes. And uh, that's why I tried to, I moved from working with artists one-on-one in the past, then went to a comic group, and now I'm with a new comic group that's actually local to, you know, to me and in in, near me in the, in the area, in the state. And they
2: manage the art team. Right, and
3: they manage the art team. Right. So Pirate. new level of accountability and new level of quality on the art, um, you know, costs more, unfortunately.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, but, you know, you get what you pay for when it comes to this stuff. So right. I, I had to bite the bullet and say, you know, I got to be serious and really make sure the quality is up to par. It's and a
2: nice next nice evolution, I'd
0: say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you, you've got the Indiegogo campaign going on now for the next couple of weeks to get that funding for- yep. At higher quality products, so we'll have a link to that on for support. As
1: well. So, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so we're gonna close it down here and then get into potentially some Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Uh, Robert, any final comments for our audience for Actual Anarchy episode 128? Thanks everybody for listening.
1: Tune in next week for The Day the Earth Stood Still. Thank you, Jack and Foe. It's been fantastic. You're welcome back anytime. Got another comic book movie to talk about, or yeah. just want to rant about some cultural Marxism. Come on.
3: (laughs) Definitely can do that all day,
1: every
2: day. There's
3: tons of that. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys. Rich environment.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's true. And uh, happy Mother's Day. Maximum freedom, everyone.